0: Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. Anyways, we are starting a new message series this week. As you can see, Pastor Chris came up with this cool logo, which is very confusing. Does it like confuse you when you read this? Don't stop? What? What? It's supposed to be red and it's green, which means go. <laughs> it's like it's so confusing. He was very proud of that, so I wanted to shout him out. <laughs> so we're starting a series called Don't Stop. And I know for me, and I know it's true for you guys, there are things in life that we do that we absolutely want to stop doing. Pastor Chris is painting. He doesn't want to paint no more, y'all. I'm okay with paint and I kind of enjoy it. It's like relaxing and so satisfying as you're edging and you get that line so perfectly straight, I'm like, yes, I did it. Oh, see, it's relaxing for me. Okay, y'all, can, y'all don't look at me like I'm crazy. I get, it's relaxing for me, okay? It's quiet, and I'm just able to just do that. But there is something I have wanted to stop. And I'm, gonna, I'm not sure if I've even shared this story with you guys because I've shared it with a few people, but I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to be vulnerable and show you how clumsy one of your pastors is. So, we've been riding bikes. (laughs) Some of you ladies know this story. If you're at Ladies Night, you know this story. So, we've been riding bikes, and there were two incidents that happened. One made me question if I should stop. The other one made me say, I really probably should stop. But it wasn't riding the bike necessarily. So, we were riding bikes, and I normally follow behind my husband because even when I lead, sometimes he does his own thing, too. So... He was leading, and I was following maybe a little too closely and trusting his judgment way too much. This is my story, so stay over there. And I was following him, and it's me on my bike, and it's him on his bike, okay? He's got a broad back. So I was too close, and all of a sudden, he did this thing and kept on going, Okay, well, I don't know what happened to my mom reflexes in that moment because I didn't go and keep going. I ran into the dumpster. (laughs) I ran into the dumpster on the side of the road, y'all. I tried to break and I'm right handed. So I tried to break with the right hand, realizing, oh, those brakes are all gone. So then I'm grabbing with the left hand, not my natural you know, route to go, and I hit it in enough time to go and almost go over, almost went flying over the trash can. You didn't see it. I really almost went flying over the trash can. I knocked it down and I had to touch somebody's nasty trash can to pick it back up. And my husband, he stops and he looks back like, what'd you just do? You just cut around the trash can and left me hanging. Okay, so then the next time It was his fault. The next time, (laughs) the next time, that was when I questioned, you know, I questioned, do I really need to be doing this? Actually, I was like, I really need to pay attention a little bit more. So the next time we were writing a few days later, and I was listening to a podcast, and it ended. So I was like, you know, let me pull my phone out and change what I was listening to. I want to change it to something different, And I knew the route we were going, and I even knew where he was going. This time I was further back. I was not near him. I was further back because I was like, I'm going to make my own judgment calls here. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) It's going to be funny in a second. And so I thought I was going to turn, and I think my bike was starting to turn as I was holding my phone on this hand. (laughs) And my body went woof. I went flying off the bike, y'all. Into a, I hit the curb with the bike, the tire. I went flying, and thank you Jesus, it was a big patch of grass at the Manor's Museum, which was very packed with a lot of cars, and I'm not sure who saw it. I went flying off my bike. I don't even remember it's like my life flashed before my head or before my eyes. And for s- somehow, the next memory I had was jumping back on my bike like nothing happened. I was like, "What Just happened?" How did I go from laying over here and looking? Like, I remember looking up and seeing Chris like, what did you just do? He's like, what happened? Again, that time was a lapse of my judgment. So all that to say is I really have to stop and pay attention because I was not paying attention. So that one was my fault. The second one, the first one, I believe, was still his fault. Um, I'm going to give that to give that one to me. So sometimes there's things in life that we have got to stop doing. But there are four areas in our lives, guys, that we do not want to stop on. And that one is loving. Two is hoping. Three is believing. And four is dreaming. Those are the four things that we're going to be unpacking throughout this series. And if you just heard the one of the worship songs, Alive and Breathing, that was just up there, that's kind of what birthed this message. You see, earlier this week, I knew what this week entailed. What it had to bring it was a lot. We're packing, we're moving, we're painting, we're three kids, we're still working. And so Monday, I'm like, God, I'm preaching. Please just drop <laughs> this this message in my heart and just like, just let it roll out. Just give it to me. Come on and nothing was coming nothing was happening and then tuesday i was in the car and i was listening to a worship song really kind of like just pleading with god like it's getting close lord wednesday's coming and i know what after wednesday it's going to be crazy and so a a song came on and it was the alive and breathing song and i was like dancing to it and jamming out in the car and then the lord rose up in my spirit like take note so in the car guys i pulled out my phone <laughs> I did not text and drive. I learned my lesson. I went flying off the bike on the phone before. So I pulled out my phone and I hit the voice memo thing. I don't know if you ever do this. If you have those random thoughts that hit you and you're like, oh, I'm going to forget that later, just text it to yourself. I do it all the time. I responded to, I texted to myself this song and what the Lord had laid on my heart about don't stop loving God hoping, believing, and dreaming. And when I'm praying for messages, often I'm like, God, what is a, a now a now word for everyone? What is a now word for my, myself? And so I sit with that sometimes. And as this message dropped into my heart, because I, I told Pastor Chris, I was like, hey, I'm feeling this. And he's like, okay, well, I'm kind of feeling that too. Let's go that route. And so it was sitting in my heart and I was meditating on it. And as I was meditating on it, <clears throat> it hit me. I was like, hmm, you know what? I think someone really needs to hear this this week. I think someone needs to hear it. And so I was praying through the message, and I was listening to the Lord, and I had the thought hit me. It's like, I think you need to hear this this week. I was like, oh, dang God. Okay. I guess I need to hear it. But sometimes, guys, The very thing that someone else might need to hear is the very thing that the pastors need to hear as well. So it's not, you know, it might not be a message. You might sit there and be like, oh, I've heard that before. You might hear it a little differently. It might not be for you, but I believe it will be for you. But if every word that I speak today is only for me, I'm going to go home praising because I know I need to hear it as well. So I get to unpack love. Don't stop loving. God doesn't stop loving. And that's what I want you guys to know and go away with today is God doesn't stop loving you. We just listened, or uh, sang the song about reckless love, how he'll go all over. He'll go to the depths to show you his love. And we have to be reminded of that because sometimes we have that initial encounter with love, and over time we begin to, to lose the realization of what that love looks like. And so I get to unpack that this week, and um, then Pastor Chris gets to go next week. But for this <laughs> for this week, I'm going to be hitting on love. And I believe with 100% that we could spend 52 weeks of the year preaching on God's love, and someone will still walk out of the church service, will still log off of their computer, will still turn off their podcast, and Feel unloved. We could preach the same thing over and over, and you will go home not feeling accepted. Someone will, not everyone, but someone will. How do I know that? Because sometimes after I preach, come Monday morning, I look in the mirror at me and I say, Am I really loved by God like I think I am? Does He love the messed up me? Does he love the me that yells at my kids when I lose my temper because I've said 50 times to do something? Does he love that part of me? Does he love the part of me that gets frustrated when my husband tries to tell me after 38 years of how to, of doing something how I should do it the right way? Does he love that part of me when I'm frustrated because he has his right way and I have my right way? And if you know Chris, he believes his way is the right way all the time. So you could imagine my frustration level may be high sometimes. (laughs) Anyways, does he love that part of me? The part that gets frustrated, the part that yells, the part that wakes up sometimes and looks in the mirror and ends up finding myself in the comparison trap. Ate up with, I'm not like that person. I don't have what they have. Does he love that part of me? Because, guys, that is me too. That's a part of me. What you see on Sundays is me, but there's still the me that shows up at moments that I question, is that part loved? And I'm going to tell you, it is. It is loved always and always has been loved. But sometimes it's hard for us to realize that. Sometimes it's hard for us to receive that. And when we can't receive it from God, we're not able to love ourselves. And when we can't love ourselves, we sure enough cannot love others the way he wants us to. So I know, like I said, this message is not just for me. But I'm going to go as if it was (laughs) And I'm going to preach it to myself. I asked Micah this week as we were painting, because like I said, our kids are between two homes, so they run to and from. I asked Micah, I said, Micah, if you could know anything or ask me anything about God's love, or if you could tell me anything about God's love, what would it be? And, of course, he went to telling me about God's love, not asking me. And I was really hoping he'd ask me. But he told me this. Listen to this. This was, like, very interesting. He said, God doesn't love anything. Anybody, he loves everybody, and he repeated this over and over with this confusing look, like, Mom, that's not what I'm trying to say. And finally, he said, It's just confusing, Mom. I'm trying to say something, but I can't get it out. And so, I said, So, are you trying to say that God doesn't just love one person, but he loves all people? And he's like, Yes, that's it, that's what I'm trying to say. And so, guys. Just sitting with our kids sometimes gives us this little glimpse of the purity of God's love that sometimes we miss out on because we put ourselves and all of the stuff that we've dealt with in the vision, or it's in our vision of how God loves, when really that's not. It's the purity of His love that we can see through our kids sometimes. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to read through verses 1 through 10 and verse 13, but we're going to stop along the way because I got a lot to say. Um, <laughs> that right? All right. So verse 1, it says, "'If I could speak all languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others,' I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Those are annoying, guys. Just saying. I have a drummer that lives at my house. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secrets or secret plans, sorry, all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would have nothing. I want to pause right there because it absolutely breaks my heart because I have so many friends that are filled with wisdom and that are filled with knowledge and definitely are able to speak in prophecy, but the moment someone does not agree with them 100%, they can't fully love that person. They write them off and remove them from their friends list. They write them off. They have all of this wisdom and knowledge. And if you have it all but cannot love, what do we have? What is it worth if you cannot love the people that are in your life? It says nothing. It's worth nothing. So I challenge you guys, don't stop. Don't stop loving people even when you think you know more than them. And, guys, you're going to come up to people in your life that you know more than it's okay. And I'm saying that in the idea of revelation about God's love. When you have a a different understanding about God's love, don't judge the person next to you if they don't. Don't stop loving them, writing them off. Verse 3, it says, if I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Verse four says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. Guys, You will never stop hearing this verse read here at Journey Church. You will hear it over and over and over again because we are his walking embodiment of love to every other human around us. And until we get this, and I don't think we will get this until we are standing face to face with God, so you will never stop hearing it because we get to be that love for the world around us. Verse 8. It says prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is part is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part, only part of the whole picture, guys. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. How many times in 2020 did you see or read or hear a prophecy weaponized? How many times did we see that? Did we see the body of Christ using something that God gave them more than likely for themselves as a weapon towards the body of Christ? That is not what God intended, when you understand what prophecy is meant for, for edifying the body, for building up all of these things, it's not as a weapon. But we saw that all through 2020, that people were using it as a weapon. But let me encourage you, no one knows the full heart of God like Jesus. So when we seek Jesus, the mission of our church, point people or to connect people to Jesus to experience life. If you're not pointing people to Jesus, what are you doing? So I want you to know that, that you can have all of that understanding. It's only part of how good he is. So when you get a word from the Lord, know when it's a good good word and it's the heart of the Father, because that's what these words will be when you feel like the Lord's prophesying over you, when he's speaking life over you, it should be good. That's how you know it's the Father the heart of God. But when you get that, I want you to know it's only a glimpse of how good he is. It is a glimpse of how much he loves you. So remember that. Verse 13, it says, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Often we hear a message preached about how we love others, and we'll get to that in a bit. But I want to spend some time sharing with you about how loved you are, how you are to love yourself, and how you are to love others, because that is the order (laughs) in which he's asked us to do that. And we'll read those verses here shortly. If we're not careful after our first encounter of the love of God, We kind of can start taking that for granted, and that can lead us to a place where we find ourselves being like the Pharisees, hardened of heart, but it takes time to get there. You see, the Pharisees knew the scrolls. They knew how to quote the scrolls, the scriptures. They knew all of these things. They had all that knowledge that we've read about earlier, but they did not have love. And we can find ourselves there kind of easy sometimes because sometimes after we receive the love of God, we can find ourselves being judgmental. Not only to others because that comes, but judgmental towards ourselves. And then from there comes the judgments of others that we will find ourselves at. Also, an interesting thing is when you're reading scripture. Think about for just a moment, who are the people you put yourself in? Like, what character do you put yourself in place of? Because let's be real, none of us ever put ourselves in the place of being a Pharisee, right? No one wants to be known as the Pharisee, right? No. Like, that's just, nope, 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 nope. Those are the ones Jesus was like, mm-mm. we want to be the man who is healed, the Pharise- I mean, not the Pharisee, the, the leopard man who was healed. We want to be the guy who had his eyes opened with the mud. Not that we want to be, sorry. We put our pl- ourselves in place of those people. We put ourselves in the story of the woman at the well, the woman who reached out for the, the cloth of Jesus to receive healing. We put ourselves in the place of, of David, though he... Ended up sleeping with another man's wife. We still put ourselves in his spot. That's all a little confusing. Um, We put ourselves in the spot of Peter getting out of the boat to walk on water. But what if we take time? And this is not to condemn you. This is not to make you feel any kind of guilt or anything. This is to say we can't receive the love of God fully but that he's already offered us if we put ourselves in the spot, in the seat of judging everyone else. But what if we sit for a moment and we look in the mirror and we say, God, why do I not feel this love? What am I doing to cause this love to feel distant? Because God's love's not distant. Don't hear that. It's there. It's always been there. Christ lives in us. And if he lives in us, love is in us. But you and I can build a wall and we can harden our hearts to not receive that love fully. We can experience and walk around like the Pharisees and not realize that it's an us thing. And we have to be careful with that because the first step is we've got to receive this love. We've got to receive it from God. I know I preached a few weeks ago about just sitting and resting um, with the Lord when I'm trying to do, 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 do. And he's like, just sit and receive. Just sit in the mirror and start building yourself up. Start speaking the things that God says about you over you. Because sometimes you need that. Sometimes I need that. Because everything else that's coming at us sometimes ain't good. And sometimes will cause us to start becoming judgment, judging ourselves harshly and judging others harshly. And we don't want to stay there. We don't want to go to that spot. Let's see here. I believe when we find ourselves in the spot like the Pharisees were in, God doesn't stop loving us. He doesn't. He doesn't stop loving you, and he doesn't stop loving me. You want to know how I know that? It's because it shows us all throughout Scripture that God never stopped loving any of his people, any of his children. The Israelites didn't listen. He still loved them. The things that some of these, these uh, verses speak of that these, the people of God did was not the heart of God. But he still loved them through genocide, through disobedience. He still loved them. And he still loves us, even in those moments where we feel that way. Even when we look in the mirror and we say, oh, check, I'm a, I'm a little too judgmental now. He still loves us in that. First John 3.1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. You see, the Pharisees didn't know God. They knew of him. They had a glimpse of him. But Jesus shows up on the scene and he knows God. And they couldn't grasp that love. They couldn't grasp that acceptance, that healing, all of those things that Jesus was revealing to the people. But we are his children. And he calls us beloved. Guys, when I read that, beloved, it means greatly loved. We are his children who are his beloved. We are his children who are greatly loved loved. That's what Jesus was trying to show. That's what Jesus was doing. But why is love such a big deal to God? Why did Jesus have to come to earth and in and, and human flesh in order to reveal the heart of God, the heart of his father for us? Why did he have to do that? I believe it's because We have a very hard time (laughs) understanding what love is. We think we know, and I believe we partially understand it. But love, I believe, will one day be fully encompassed when we walk and stand face-to-face with God. We will fully be able to understand it. But until then, we will continue on the journey With each other as the body of Christ, as the church, to to be able to better understand it, to better receive it for ourselves from God, to better display it to others. We will continue on that journey until we see God face to face. So this week, we are going to hit three points real quickly. It's not that long. I know you're like, really? You're just getting started with that? They're not that long. That's why they're further in. But God doesn't stop loving you. Or to make it fit to the title, God don't stop loving you. Okay? He don't stop loving you forever and ever. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Hear that. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. When we begin to realize that before the creation of the world, God loved us, we will stop seeing ourselves as less than. God didn't create the universe and not have you in mind. How would we be less than? We aren't. But until we start grasping that, that idea, that realization, that we were cre- we, that we were a part of this creation story from the very beginning. His love was there from the very beginning for you, for me. Then we will be able to start not seeing ourselves the way that we sometimes see ourselves. We will stop searching high and low for identity. We will stop searching from relationship to relationship for love. We will stop going from friend to friend trying to find this love or whatever it is, a click to a click, or a drink to a drink, whatever. There's things that we go to when we are searching for love, when we feel less than, we result to something. We go to something. But when we realize that the love from the very beginning was for us. I wanna share with you a, um, a thing that was said when I was a teenager. Now in my adult life, I realize that that's not okay. But when I was a teenager, This is something that was said in youth group numerous times. It it was, you are a sinner, and Jesus had to die in your place so God could love you. Wait, what? Huh? Just ponder that. He had to die in my place so that God could love me. No. God has always loved you. If you go back and you look through these scriptures, you will see he has always loved you. That is not accurate. He proves it all the way throughout Scripture, like I said a few minutes ago. He proved it throughout all the Scriptures. He didn't give up on these people when they made mistakes. He called some of them, I can't even remember who it was, but a man after his own heart. Go read what that man after God's own heart did in some instances. Guys, we can't allow ourselves to see ourselves as less than because that's not who we are. That's not who he's created us to be. We can pick and choose who we are done with in this life. We can pick and choose our relationships, but that's not God. We can do that in our flesh and all the humanness that we walk in, but that's not who God is. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus went to the cross to reveal their love for us. Jesus loved us to his death. He loved us to his very death. There's this quote by C. Baxter Kruger that is amazing. It says, The gospel is not the news that you can receive Jesus into your life. The gospel is the news that Jesus has received us into his life Jesus received you on that cross into his life not the other way around guys when I was a little girl I would pray even in difficult seasons and hard times I would pray to a God that I didn't really know I didn't know if he was real I had heard about God but I didn't know like I'm like Jesus knows God I had an idea and I would, I would pray, and I would ask for his help. I would ask for his protection in different times of my life. But it wasn't until I was around, I think I was around 13 or 14. I can't remember my age. I can't even remember my kids' age sometimes. I was 37 a couple weeks ago, and all of a sudden I realized I was 38 this past January. So I may have been 13 or 14 when I had our family's life flipped upside down literally flipped upside down. I'm going to share with you a glimpse of a little bit of my story and my first encounter with the love of God. As a child, I grew up, my parents were separated, and I was in, we were, um, my original, sorry, my mom and my dad divorced, and I had a stepfather, and we were, you know, living life, doing all the teenage, I was I was preteen, I guess at that point, teenage stuff, I was cheerleader, I was doing all these things, just living life. And this, my stepfather at that point became ill. And I really thought that at that point he was going to die. I thought that, that he was going to die, that it was the end. And there was a part of me that was completely okay with that. And he actually started to get better. And there was a part of me that was not okay with that. And that part of me had enough boldness to share with my mom and my grandmother one day why I was not okay with him getting better. And that part of me was the girl who had been abused, who had walked through sexual abuse, mental abuse, some physical abuse, and was just done. Didn't know why and what was wrong with me and why that had to happen to me. And would pray to God. Why? That part of me got bold enough to say this isn't okay. This is not okay. And so I did, and everything changed. You know where you think that things will get better when the truth comes to light? Sometimes it just gets harder. And it got harder because we lost everything. It wasn't him that left. It was us that left. It was us who grabbed a basket of our stuff and left the house for our own protection. It was us that had to look over our shoulders for months and years because he never was put in jail for what he did. At that point, the Me Too movement had not even started. At that point, there were a lot of little girls who were not being listened to. So if you get tired of seeing the Me Too hashtag, I want to say I'm sorry for you. But I am very proud that there's enough women and young girls who are willing to stand up and have the boldness, because it is a boldness, willing to say this is what happened. So our whole life got flipped upside down. And around fifth, I believe I was 15, I met Pastor Chris. And we had gotten to a spot where we had some stability. We had our own place. We had been able to get, we were blessed with some stuff to be able to have in our house. It wasn't a lot. Sometimes I look at my kids when they're like, we don't have nothing. I'm like, you have no idea. We shared a mattress on the floor for so long. You have, I used it as a gymnastics mat in my apartment. <laughs> I probably broke every spring. We lived out of baskets. I'm like, you have no idea, but they don't, and I'm so thankful they don't. But at 13 or 14, I met Pastor Chris. He wasn't Pastor Chris then. Um, And and he had just started going back to church. He had given his life to Christ a while back, and he had just started going back to church. And I think he was kind of nervous to ask me, like, hey, do you want to go to church with me? But he did, and I went to church with him. And that night, we had this altar call, and I was up front because the same God I had prayed to for so many times as a child was the same God in my heart telling me, I love you. Go forward and get prayed for. And so I walk up there, guys, and nobody knows my story. Okay. Even to this day, there's times I have a hard time sharing my story. I have it, it was years I would I would share it. Every once in a while when when my husband's like, hey, I have this message. I really want you to share your testimony. I shared it in a missions trip before, but I allowed shame to sit in, and that kept me quiet. Even to the point when God told me the other night, hey, it's time to share your story. I was like, oh, God, I don't want to preach no more. (laughs) I don't want to preach no more. And it's not because you guys, some of you guys don't know it, and it's not because you probably haven't heard it come out of my mouth at some point. It's because for some reason, there's still a part of me as that 12 or 13-year-old that feels shame. There's still that there, and it tries to hold me back. But he took me to church, and I went up to the altar, and someone came up to pray for me, and they read my mail. Have you ever had that? They sat there and told me what I had gone through. And at that moment, I knew there was a God. At that moment, I knew God has always been with me. He has always loved me. He didn't create those situations, but he was with me. And as a 38-year-old me right now standing up here, I realize that he's always been with me from the very beginning He's been with me. And like I said, he didn't create any of that, but he was with me. He didn't make other people in these Bible stories that we read about do what they did, but he was with them. And so I know that his love for me has always been there. He's always been with me. And I want you to know that he's always been with you. He will always be with you. His love is with you from the very beginning. We can't stop loving ourselves. We can't stop loving ourselves. Ephesians 5, 29. It says, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. You see, my journey of self-love has been a winding journey. And if you've been through a lot in life, I can only imagine that your self-love journey is probably a winding road that you sometimes come face to face with the end of it. Like, all right, Lord, where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? And when I say self-love, some people hate that. They hate that word because all you equate it with is spa days or shopping. And I'm not saying that's not there because there were times in my life where mentally that is all that I could do for self-love was walk through a store and window shop. So it might be there for you. But now my self-love looks a little different. It looks like forking out money and paying for counseling sessions. It means walking with friends and having talks. It looks like honoring date night with my husband. It looks like honoring friend time and going and having coffee with other people. It looks like scheduling dinners with our family and going out and sitting with our kids and having conversations. But I have to be the one realizing like I need to allow myself to take time It looks like reading books, listening to podcasts. It can look many different ways, but we can't fully love others until we love ourselves, until we fill ourselves up with what God has given us. My eyes have been opened probably about six years ago. Maybe. I'm bad with numbers, y'all. I am horrible with numbers. Anyways, about six years ago, my eyes were open to what self-love looks like, what it looks like to love me. Because I didn't really understand it. I allowed the love for me to look like titles, to look like the roles I played. And some of them I didn't do well. Some of them didn't even come naturally to me. But I thought that was what loving myself look like, stepping in this role, doing this thing, being this for that person. But that's not what it looks like. You see, there are times when I have failed and I have had to walk through what it looked like to love me through failing, what it looked like to love me when I didn't measure up to the standard I had set for myself, which sometimes can be very high. I sometimes think there should be like perfection and I should be able to walk in all perfection. And that's just not real. And I can tell you that. But, guys, the reality is is sometimes we feel that's who we have to be. And it's just not. We're not going to be there. Jesus was. We weren't. We're not. And so if I fail and I can't love myself through that, I don't move past that. I stay there. And so I had to learn how to love myself when I fail, when I give up on something I thought I shouldn't give up on, when I yell at my kids, when I get frustrated at this thing. I have to learn to love myself through that so that I can then give love out. Which leads us to the next thing is don't stop loving others. Mark 12, 30 and 31 it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no, greater, there is no commandment greater than these. So we will be able to love others when we allow God to love us, when we allow ourselves to be loved and to love ourselves. Then we're able to love others with a more pure-like love. So we are living in a time or in times where everyone has a reason to not love someone. And believe me, I absolutely get it. I get it. There was a time in my life where the Lord asked me to do something that was only the Lord doing it because in my flesh, I didn't really want to. I didn't really want to do it, but my heart, the purity of the love of God that is, resides in each one of us led me to do it. And that was the very person who abused me, who was no longer a part of my life, was in the hospital about to die. And there is a connection within families that somehow I got word of this. And the Jesus in me, I want you to hear that. The Jesus in me, not the Kim in me, rose up and said, you need to go pray for him. It was the Jesus in me. I I promise you, it was not the flesh. Because I don't, I I sometimes still even do not like sharing the story because I don't want people to be like, you're so whatever. No, I'm not. It was Jesus and I talked with my mom and my brother, and I said, this is what I feel led. And both of them said, we'll go with you. We're in agreement. Let's go. And so together, we walked into a hospital room of a person who caused such pain, a lot of pain. And I asked him if he, had, if he knew Jesus. And at that point, he said he did. I don't even remember much about the conversation. I don't remember if he even acknowledged anything about the past. But I knew what, what I was supposed to do in that moment was pray for him. And this is a big thing, guys. This isn't something that most people will ever get a chance to do. And sometimes this is not a thing that any, everyone should do. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Not everyone should do something like this. But I prayed over him. And then we left, and the burden and the release that I felt in that moment from what I guess I was carrying for so long was so, it was just lifted. It was lifted off of my shoulders. That was the Jesus in me that said, go in love. I believe that we should fall in love with God over and over again in our lives. Just like in marriage. If you're married and you're in a relationship, there's going to be times where you feel that there's this distance, where you might feel that there's this disconnect between you guys. And then something ignites inside of you, and you feel like you felt completely in love with your spouse again. And that is such a precious thing, first off. But that is exactly what my relationship with the Lord looks like. I think I've been, it feels like I've like reignited that love with the Lord probably about six to ten different times in my walk with the Lord. Because each time the Christ inside of me rises up and says, this is what we're going to do, I realize how good he is. I realize how loved I am in those moments. There's a prayer I would love for us all to pray together this week. As you're as you're in your prayer time, I would say pray this prayer. It says, "Jesus, disciple me into your everlasting love." Jesus, disciple me into your everlasting love. What does that look like for you personally? It's going to look different. It's going it might start with you just receiving the love of God. It might be that you've received that love, but you don't know how to, how to love yourself. And it might be that you have all of those things lined up, but man, these other people in your life, you just don't know how to stretch out and love them well. Wherever you're at, just sit with the Lord and say, Jesus, disciple me into your everlasting love because he will, he's willing, and he's able. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that there are so many stories and testimonies in this room of where you have shown up, where you have loved us through our mess, where you have loved us in our valleys, where you have loved us on our mountaintops. And I recognize that each of us in this room and online are probably in a different spot. But as we sit with you and we allow you to love us. We receive that love. You will disciple us on how to love ourselves. You will disciple us on how to love others well. And we will be able to walk in this love that you have for all of, all of your people. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand for